Dylan. It's, it's not even Sunday night anymore. It's Monday morning. It's 12.30 a.m. Monday morning. We're in Augusta still. We're still working because work never stops. Hideki Matsuyama has won the 2021 Masters. That was a mouthful, but holy cow, we had a lot of crazy golf happening this week. Sean, they say if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And what I love today is watching Hideki Matsuyama win the Masters. But... How much did you enjoy it getting tight, getting dicey? You were out there at the 16th and the 15th, and that was kind of the story you wrote for the website, is that it got real there for what, like 12 minutes? I was going to say, eight I minutes. Think I, I definitely enjoyed it getting tight. The problem was it really was only tight for the length of about one golf shot and what well, shot was that? not not quite one golf shot but between the completion of the 15th hole and the final pairing to the first shot off the 16th tee in that yeah. same pairing so this is what i wrote about I, I had posted up on the hill overlooking the 16th tee which by the way if you're ever <laughs> at augusta national on sunday afternoon of good the place Masters, to be that is a good place to be um I was looking down over the 16th hole with a whole bunch of other patrons and all of a sudden there comes a golf ball bounding over the 15th green and, and splashing into the water on that pond next to 16. And I, I couldn't tell actually at the time if it was Xander or Hideki, but then you Turns knew out it was Hideki. Then you knew it was because he played and then you knew it was game on. So, Anyway, to answer your question, Sean, I was very excited that it got a little bit tighter. But in the end, it felt like the best man this week won. Yeah. we did. What's funny is that we didn't know Hideki was going to be the best man this week. He comes out first round, shoots three under, matches Brian Harmon's three under. But that only matters for maybe an hour because Justin Rose goes crazy, shoots 65 Shoots nine under in his last 11 holes. So Hideki was the man for a split second Thursday. Then he wasn't. Then he comes out and cards a pretty smooth 71 on Friday. So he's four under. And he's just kind of chilling. Like he's playing pretty average golf. Like he's not giving shots away. But then there's the the horn blow in the middle of the round. He's Mm -hmm. on the 11th hole. He's tucked under a huge tree branch. At that point... Hideki, his odds had to be pretty long. He was at least, I think, four shots back at that point, and it isn't looking good for him. His first shot out of the rain delay is this epic punch. I don't even know eight iron. Oh, he it was hit. so good, so good, and that was like his. That was his sprint from there on in. Like played absolutely perfect golf the rest of that back nine, and kind of cruised most of the first 14 holes today. It was clinical stuff. Someone on our team was joking about me using the word clinical because that's what we described Dustin Johnson's 2020 Masters win to be. But this was not all too unlike that. It felt so similar. I kept thinking that as we were walking the course today because, you know, obviously it was only six months ago, but the way he was just sucking the life out of the tournament, the way no one else could quite make a concerted move. Yeah. It just had the, uh, you know, the same similar boa constrictor feeling. Yeah. Then he cracked a little bit right at the end. 
but the result was the same and really the result was never in doubt for more than about that you know 10 minute span there on 15 and 16 he handles himself i'm a little hesitant myself to be like oh it's gonna change things but it is like i'm currently trying to write a column about what it means to just have a Japanese man wearing a green jacket. Like that image stands for something. The guy has Fred Ridley, the chairman of Augusta national passing him the master's trophy. He's shooting his hands into the sky for like the ultimate image of representation. He's representing an entire country, a group of people like that haven't been here to this place, to this like threshold of champion. So it can't not be a big deal. That's kind of my takeaway. It's like, we don't know. We can't quantify how many people are going to take up golf in Japan, right? It's hard to contextualize it right now. Yeah. I th- mean, I think, I think it's important also to just recognize how meaningful this is to Hideki himself. You know, it's easy to just make the leap straight to how yeah. important this is for, you know, a continent, a country, um, a group of people. But Look, this is a guy who was number two in the world at one point, mm-hmm. who seemed like he was yeah. destined for next level greatness. He's the prodigy, right? And he's look, he's not a he's not an old guy. He's twenty eight years old, I think. Twenty nine. Just turned twenty nine. He said it. I didn't say it. Well, look, Hideki is younger than I am, so I think I'm contractually obligated to refer to him as a young man. I think that look. This is really important for Hideki, for his career. Hopefully, it's the first of many. Yeah. I always find it funny when someone wins their first major, what our collective um, conclusion is for the rest of their career. Oh, an over-under, Sean. Give us an over-under. Oh, God. I'm not not ready to do that. But I do know that four years ago, Sergio wins this event at age 37. And it's like, holy cow. He's playing the best golf of his life. Why can't Sergio win another major? He's never, ever come close in every single major since. He's played them all, but he hasn't come close. And so it's super easy, like, gut reaction. Oh, gosh, Hideki won a major? Now, like, the you know, blow the, the roof off the place. It doesn't happen that way. It would be great to see him win another major. He's totally capable of doing it. Probably one of the more talented players out there. But the, the, there's nothing guaranteed about it, so. No, there's not. But it was it was cool though, Sean. This might take us to our second takeaway. I don't know how officially we're scorekeeping on these. Number two. But it was just amazing to see Hideki feel emotions down the stretch, uh, and for and sure. Then even more so after the victory. I mean, it was cool to see him. You know, nervous, locked in, uh, happy. You know, I don't know about upset, but certainly feeling the effects of trying to win his first major championship title. And then just to see him swept up in the moment after that final putt dropped was really, really well, special. What's the, what's the thing that a lot of people are going to write about and discuss about Hideki is like, look, his English isn't great. He has not really committed to being like out there and learning English and trying to be, you know, live in America and and become part American. Like a lot of people tend to do. He doesn't share a lot with us. Like we don't get much from him, but when you're crying, that says a whole hell of a lot. You don't, you don't need words when this guy's got tears streaming down his face. 
it was great to see him smile. Like you could see when he tapped in on uh, for bogey on eighteen. I don't think it hit him yet. Then he starts making that walk, and he's kind of on his own, and it's just cameras in front of him. He starts crying. Then he gets to the green jacket ceremony, and he's had the green jacket on for like 10 minutes now. And now he's like actually beaming. He's shooting his hands up into the air. That was emotion that, again, there are no words attached to it. But sometimes those those images, like there's no language barrier there. You actually know what's going on in this person's body. You know, there's an interesting conversation to be had about Tiger Woods and his own um you know, complex backgrounds when it comes to uh, actually having these Thai roots also and, and actually being a, an Asian American golfer to some extent himself as, you know, three white dudes in our 20s were probably not the most qualified to have that conversation beyond recognizing just how special this moment was and, and continues to be and appreciating it. Um, but I think that that idea of, of representation of seeing people that look like you doing the thing that you want to do is so huge. Um, and man, I'd like to continue seeing more of it at the masters in particular in yeah. all corners of the masters, not just the players in the field. Yeah. Uh, you're right about three dudes in their twenties discussing this and what it means to someone our age in Japan or someone younger than us. But think about as sim- it's as simple as thinking about who your heroes were <laughs> like, that is literally what we're talking about here. Thinking about if you were nine years old and you saw Keegan Bradley, like mm. Dylan, your man from, from Vermont, you saw him win a major. I'm sure that made you feel things. Like It yeah. can be boiled down sometimes as simply as that. Or Batman. That's what you get when you get Dylan on a podcast. On. Uh, let's New move England. on. Let's move on to takeaway number three. Uh, Dylan wrote this one out. Xander is ready to win, even though watching him fail really sucked. Yeah, well, well, he was the one that said it sucked. Um, and you know what? He was right. What around Xander Shoffley played today? And I mean that in, in the roller coaster sense of the word. He seven birdies. Seven birdies. What? He birdied number two today. Yep. He hit a perfect tee shot on number three. And then, oh man, he admitted afterwards he got too greedy with his third shot on the the short par four third. Ends up making bogey there. Bogey's number four. Doubles number five. Later in the round, he runs off, uh, I believe it was six birdies in about ten holes to climb all the way back. Six birdies in nine holes. Six birdies in nine holes. <laughs> he went from seven shots back to just two shots back. With the tee. With the tee, Sean. You stick it to two feet on 16 oh and you're going to make people gosh, feel something. Gosh, I was things. sitting on the hill. I was sitting, you know, a few people behind Joe Jonas. Macklemore was walking by. The whole scene was primed for something. I'm not sure exactly what, but... I was certainly ready video. for Xander to, to throw some kind of dart in at 16 and change the whole complexion of this tournament. Instead, I saw this ball you know, from the side so you can really see more or less whether it's going to go the correct distance. This thing was never even close. Oh. It was so short. On 16, you want to hit that tee shot past the pin, use that slope long and right of the flag to bring it back. This landed... 10 12 yards short of Do you the know pin. what club he used? He hit an 8 iron. How badly 
tomorrow, tonight, next day, will he be thinking, why didn't I hit a seven iron? You could even see him going through the whole process of that during his post round interview because he started off by he he got ahead of it. Uh, He's he's on the right line. That should be noted. He said, I hit it perfect. I hit it perfect. He said, we thought the wind was behind us from the left, and it was not behind us from the left is essentially what he said. So the yardage was 184. He says he can hit 8-iron 180 here, and so he thought that it was helping. But, like, I mean, if you that's pretty simple arithmetic. Sean, you're a professional caddy. If it's 184, you're hitting a 180 club, and you're not really sure about the wind. Better be downwind. It, it better be downwind because <laughs> yeah. you're trying to hit it past the pin. It's just a, it's an error. It's And it's an error that, damn it, he's going to think about for a long time until he wins a major. But you're somehow convinced through all of this that he's ready to win, that he's oh, going he's to get good. it good. I mean, look, look what he did today. Hit, had a really rough stretch. Three, four, five. He could have embarrassed himself right out of the tournament, but he said it wasn't really that hard to get over it because he's just playing so well. He's hitting his windows. He knows the birdies will come, and I mean the proof is in the pudding. He, he seven much birdies for a seventy-two. Four birdies in a row on that back nine. Uh, he did say the the wind was kind of playing tricks on him, and that you know then on then he dropped, hit nine iron and accounted for the wind differently all of a sudden the wind didn't seem to be into him and yeah he that's this club over the green that's so. a uh uh excuse that i'm finding myself having a lot uh shorter leash for these days i don't mm, the wind the wind you're over the wind no i get it i i mean it is so real at augusta national and that's a cliche you talk about amen corner Talk about maybe the sixth hole where your ball's in the air forever. And guys are like, well, what's it doing? What is the wind doing at mm. the green? What is the wind doing above the treetops? It's real out there. But is it so confusing to everyone? Does anyone, like, master it? <laughs> like, No. No. And so it becomes a bit of a guessing game, but we can't be relying upon that as an excuse. You got to hit the shot. Yeah, you got to hit the shot. He, he admitted that. He admitted... He probably should have played a cut, first of all. He clearly chose the wrong club. He got the win wrong. So I really don't think he was making excuses. I think he was admitting like he screwed it up, um, but just was kind of trying to explain why he screwed it up Yeah. the manner in which he screwed it up. Uh, Sean, take us to our runner-up finisher today. Yeah, the next takeaway, takeaway number four, is that Will Zalatoris is the truth. Again, this was one of your takeaways uh i can't disagree with it <laughs> like no the guy was the only person in the field uh to shoot four rounds under par he was incredible he was All... the only person in the field to be a corn fairy tour player at, <laughs> at the moment still yeah. doesn't have full pga tour status yeah Sean, what's think... interesting to me is that will Zaltoris has been someone we've been talking about now for a long time. Yeah, a couple is, solid years. Is uber talented. He's done it at multiple majors now. Uh, he is one of the best iron players on the planet, which mm-hmm. doesn't make sense for a 24 year old. But you know, it doesn't make sense when Colin Morikawa does it either. Uh, he basically is following in. I I think 
the Justin Thomas footsteps. He plays the game a very similar way. He probably weighs a very similar weight and has a similar waist size to what JT was. Uh, He swings it hard, hits it far, hits it really, really straight and, and really, really good. He didn't, he, he didn't, he didn't get it done, but I think people today were, were saying, is this as good of a master's debut as Spieth had in 2014 when he almost won? I have a hard time disagreeing with that too. Yeah. I mean, you look at the way he finished in second as a master's rookie, you know, calls to mind Sung JM finishing second in November, I wow. guess. I think that the main point here is that we've been talking about Will Zalatoris as the future. Yeah. And my man is the present. Will Zalatoris is here. He has arrived. Expect him to continue to contend. Okay. That's good. Let's move on. Uh, Another take of yours. All these are your takeaways. Number five. Pack them in together here. The third hole, allegedly, per Dylan, is the best hole to watch on Sunday. The third hole, mind you, which would be like... 12 holes before the 15th and the 16th. I think from a Where pure entertainment can. standpoint, you three just, hours before those holes. You just holes. get such variety. I mean, look, if, if, yeah, I'm probably grading on a curve of my expectations sure. here. Like we know 12, 13, 15, and 16 are all going to be wildly entertaining. But number three, people have been sleeping on number three. And, and a lot partly, can happen there. James and I spent actually a bunch of time watching the third hole this week in person. And it's just so fun because you have guys with different length approach shots. Some guys are hitting pitch shots. Some guys are trying to somehow get the ball to stop from that left portion of fairway um, where you're so far below that really, really, really narrow green surface. Uh, Xander hit a perfect tee shot today. We mentioned this before, but like it, it looked like he was in prime position. He ended up making bogey, maybe the the beginning of the end of his round. And I don't know. It's just such a birdie or bogey potential hole. Yeah, and what's when you say that, what's important is that it's not just a birdie hole. People consider yeah. it a birdie hole every other day of the week, but not on Sunday. Because You're right. They yeah, put the that Sunday re- pin definitely makes it that much more entertaining. Sean, bring us to the next take, yeah, please. It's time to move on. The sixth takeaway is that without Hideki, if he did not exist, this would have been freaking wild. <laughs> like we talked yeah. about how it got wild on the 15th, 16th hole for five minutes. Um, if Hideki wasn't playing this week, this tournament would have been absolutely bananas. And again, like I'm not totally comfortable saying this because. It's not, it's not right to, to be like, well, if that guy doesn't exist, you know, if Tiger didn't play the 97 masters, of course it would have been crazy for Tom Watson mm-hmm. and Costasino Roca too. If DJ didn't play in 2020, you know, Cam Smith and Sung Jay would have had a hell of a, a fight. That would have been fun. All of that said, you're looking at Zalatoris out front and in the lead. You're looking at John Rahm posting six under with the putt to go to mm-hmm. seven under. You're looking at Spieth and Shoffley both trying to get it in the house Two guys that both kind of desperately need a major championship. You have uh, Justin Rose, who's been just leading the entire time. Mark Leishman, who can only play the front nine really well, but not the back nine. This is an extremely entertaining Masters um, if Hideki wasn't in cruise control. 
boy, it would really suddenly paint that Xander shot on 16 in a different light too. If he's sure. not just giving up, you know, a chance at the, at, you know, chasing down Hideki, but instead he has just taken the overall lead and then he's giving it up. Xander, fun fact, was the only other person besides Hideki to reach double digits under par this week. He was there for exactly one hole. Oh, yeah. Triple bogey on the 16th. Eventually finishes three shots behind the leader. Zalatoris would have been your secondary winner in that case, in your alternate universe. All right. The seventh takeaway, Jordan Spieth is back. Confirmed back per Dylan DeChere, my co-host. Um wasn't he back last week? He won the Texas Open. He was back. Well, he's been what, back. what did you learn this week that you didn't already know? Probably? Well, he's back at Augusta. This is his happy place. Uh, I think when you combine this with what he did at the Valero Texas Open, you get a new level of back. Yeah, it's wildly consistent. Remember when he had those three or four straight weeks of top 15 finishes? It was at mm-hmm. Pebble and Riviera. Sure, he was contending, contending Waste management. Contending. It was all contention, but it was like, dude has the Sunday scaries. I can tell. He's consistent now. Like, he didn't play his best golf today, but he really should have shot 69. Shot under par for the third round of this week. The guy is going to bag another major soon. When I could tell he was locked in was today on 15 when he had Michael Greller walk up to his layup spot. They Mm. probably spent four or five minutes deciding how they were going to hit a 135-yard, you know, punch shot down the fairway, which, you know, arguably is an issue in and of itself. But Spieth was locked in once you've got your man pacing off actual yardages forget the yardage book he says go get that yardage <laughs> that's when you know Speeth is you know absolutely engaged in the task at hand i find it so interesting talking about Speeth and talking about xander like we just did there is this long and often used statistic that is if you make a triple bogey or worse you you can't win the masters a masters has never been won with a player or by a player who made a triple bogey or worse. But two dudes who had triple bogeys both finish at seven under exactly three shots back of the champion. And Hideki Matsuyama did not even have a double bogey this week. Like I know that's oversimplifying things because of course you can make 40 birdies and have Mm -hmm. a couple doubles, but it is just constantly replayed year over year. If you make three doubles, if you make, you know, a triple or a quad, like it becomes too much to, to bounce back from because there are a lot of bogeys out there and not a ton of birdies out there. And it's just, it's, it's gotta be painful for those dudes to look at that leaderboard, see the three shot differential and to be like, damn it. That decision I made on Thursday from the ninth hole, ninth trees, Speed probably regrets it a little bit. Oh, and, yeah. You know? And w- even when you see someone like Will Zalatoris getting to nine under par on the second hole on Sunday, <sighs> if you could tell him, look, man, you just got to pick up one more. Yep, the whole way in. When you've got that chasing mentality, you don't know where you're supposed to get to. But if you told him, and even if, even if Hideki plays a little more aggressively on 18, so maybe tell Will, you have to get to 11 under. You need two more. Yeah. I mean, what's kind of crazy is that 
When Zalatoris made that birdie to get to nine under on two, Hideki was busy making a bogey mm-hmm. on one. So there, early, early on, very brief stretch, Hideki's four-shot lead had been trimmed to, to one. one. And that is that is a, a takeaway you don't even have listed down, but if you need to look back uh, and understand the Masters and how these fluctuations in score and lead, uh, they, they're they always guaranteed to get closer. It happened in 2020. Dustin Johnson started with a four-shot lead. Soon enough, he had a one-shot lead over Sungjae. Like, it happens because the people in front of you play the second hole and third hole before you. Mm-hmm. They put a little pressure on. They make the birdies. You make a bogey on one. You don't think it's a big deal because it's one bogey, but when it's a two-shot swing like that, all of a sudden your four-shot lead is two. Uh, it happens too much. It happened this year. It happened last year. So nothing is ever safe. You got to have a hell of a lead. Six six shots going into Sunday Ooh. to real feel real comfortable. How big a lead would you need personally, Sean? Twenty seven shots. You think you could close it out with a twenty seven shot lead? I would have to break a hundred. Yeah. I think. And hope they don't go down low. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not. Well, that is fun. And uh, we'll move on from that to the eighth takeaway, which is mine. And that is the PGA Championship is rapidly approaching. It's not moving any faster, one day at a time. But there are a couple people who need to look out. Rory McIlroy, chief among them, might need to retire. He is in shambles right now. He's, his game is in shambles. He never once entertained making the cut this week. Not once. I believed in him because we have to believe in Rory. But by the time the first nine was done on Thursday, no one in this room believed that he was going to make the cut. Man. Is that fair? Yeah, it's fair. It, it's It saddens me to hear you say this, and that doesn't mean that you're wrong. Good. And, like, would I be, you know, if your game was in transition like his game seems to be, I don't know if you'd mentally be there either. He looks spent when he came in for his Tuesday afternoon press conference. It just, he didn't quite look there the whole time. And then on Friday, when it starts leaking oil a little bit more, it's like, well, he's only going down from here. Gosh, can you imagine? Like, we ask him these questions that he's annoyed with on Tuesday Let's imagine he has a one-shot lead on Thursday and he gets all the questions. And then let's imagine he has a three-shot lead on Friday or two shots like Justin Rose had. Or, heaven forbid, he has a four-shot lead again on on Sunday morning or Saturday night and he's getting asked all the questions like Hideki was. How is he going to exist in that space? Here's the thing. Rory needs to figure out how to just be playing golf. And that's a much easier thing to say. <laughs> this is a uh, Gary on. I just hate the how generic it sounds. No, no, I know, and I, I'm totally acknowledging that because it's easy for us to say like, oh, look, he's got to stop playing like golf swing because the golf swing is a big part of it. But this is how it always goes with these guys. Spieth is the same way. Like we can see from the outside, he's tinkering too much. Yeah. He's thinking way too much about his swing. We don't know how to fix it. We're a bunch of idiots. But you know when they get to the other side, they're going to look back and say, yeah, I was really just getting too technical with my swing. I needed to simplify it. Sometimes simplifying can be complex, which is where it gets tricky. But there's something that needs to happen here. 
and maybe maybe if Rory could just get in contention at a tournament he really cared about, like a major championship, then he would get to that point where he's just sure. playing golf. He's just getting the ball in the hole, kind of like Sean did this morning at number 17 at Aiken Golf Club. I don't know. But uh, how we get Rory to that point, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, it's it, it kind of feels similar to me to when one of your one of your good friends has like a relationship that everyone else is out on everyone can see that it's bad for him oh. but he's just like no i kind of really love her mm. and he's just in a bad relationship and he somehow needs to reach this super blunt clarity that it's not good for him it's something has to change but he's not the only one who struggled DJ is struggling right now. Mm. DJ has me a little concerned. I always, always will back DJ up because I think he's the most talented player on tour. I think uh, that is not saying that much. I think he probably truly is. He goes through lulls like once a year where his game bottoms out and it, you know he has a lot of like T45 finishes. But he missed the cut this week. That's lower than, than his low normally is. Missing the cut at the Masters sucks. You suck. When you miss the goal, the, you suck. When you miss the cut here, there's so many. Jose Maria is golfing his ball better than you, DJ. Come on, that's crazy. By the way, yeah, it's just a crazy <laughs> thing to think about. Yeah, exactly. You have to suck badly. <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep saying that, but like, John Rahm is the perfect example. That guy didn't have his game the first couple rounds. He doesn't miss the cut. Not against the old dudes who keep coming back year after year can barely. Break par. Can I give you a John Rom fun fact? Let's hear it. His first. He's a new father. Three rounds this week. Yeah, I know. By nine. 36, 36, 36, 36, 36, 36. That's three rounds of 72. Same I, nine hole score on all of them. I think if you do that through local and sectional qualifying, we might be headed to Tory. That's a great question. We can <laughs> try it on. Uh, for size. He actually improved on it today. 32-34 for 66. Yeah. My main point is Rory seems in trouble. DJ seems in trouble. Brooks Kepka has to be in trouble. He kind of rushed back from his injury. His game definitely wasn't tight. And he misses the cut too. It's just kind of like, okay, the PGA Championship is five weeks away. Um, so let's move on to our final takeaway uh, probably our weakest takeaway is that this was a great Masters for what it needed to be. It was the in-between Masters. We had the fan-free, patron-free relatively in November, the first COVID Masters. We're going to have a 22 Masters, which would hopefully be fully back to normal. This one was in between, and I really enjoyed it. I think it was kind of everything it needed to be. I know Dylan enjoyed it a little bit less because – he was kind of looking around and seeing a lot of people who knew people. A lot of, a lot pe of people that knew people, for sure. This was the people that knew people. Masters, open, yeah. Invitational. Um, Everyone that had a ticket, it seemed, had to be connected in some way to someone who got them. My feeling was there were just enough spectators, fans, patrons, whatever you want to call them, to make us really miss the full experience. Yeah. Um, there's some, some things are you know, just as happily experienced with a small crowd. Some people like going to coffee house concerts, you know, maybe sure. a small venue for your favorite jam band. 
Not so much with golf tournaments. I think bigger up to a point is definitely better and more fans is better. We are ready for the masters. Yeah, no, and now we got to wait 358 days. We're ready for it. Till masters 2022. Um, All right. Well, before we go, we've hit the, the 43 minute mark. Things are getting a little loopy. Before we go, we got to deliver to the viewers who are still hanging with us just some goods, some fun stuff that we saw oh. this week that we didn't tweet about, we didn't really blow up, we didn't write about, things that you would not know unless you were here on site. Um, I'll let you both think of a couple. My first would be us running into Max Homa yesterday. Mm, that was cool. That was, was cool. Where did we see Max? Max is along the 7th green he was hanging out there with some family uh and friends and just watching kind of xander's well he's watching everybody come through the seventh which is there's it it goes to show just how every green is a fun green to sit next to at this course yesterday in particular seven was playing hard seven plays so tough they put the pin right on the other side of the uh right on the up right above the first bunker and Max was out there. He had his, uh, you know, his Masters Pro Shop exclusive pullover on. He was having some beers, hanging out with friends and family, soaking it all in after a missed cut. Uh, you like to see that stuff. Um, a couple other things that we enjoyed. Um, I I really enjoyed watching Daniel Berger tee up his driver on one maybe one inch off the turf and then Patrick Reed hitting his three wood at the exact same tee height, little stuff like that. You could never possibly see on TV Berger just hitting this laser beam and Reed hitting a kind of skied three wood. I've got two more before we finally go to bed here. The first is Robert McIntyre who made it. Bobby. I think Bobby made his master's debut this year. Correct me if I'm wrong. That is correct. He had to dodge a Brian Harmon birdie putt on the 18th hole to remain T12 at the end of the day. And when that putt missed, Bobby Mack was celebrating on the front steps of the clubhouse and and jumped into his caddy's arms because he was so excited that he's guaranteed a Masters start uh, next year. And then my only other thing that I want to share with the folks, last thing for the night, I was standing on the 18th tee, next to our Masters champion, Hideki Matsuyama, and he teed up his ball. He was about to step up to hit it, and then he kind of paused and turned, and he said, sorry, guys, um, and kind of motioned because the two guys that I was standing about two people away from, their shadows were on his golf ball. And here Hideki is leading the Masters, and he was sort of sheepish and apologetic about telling these knuckleheads to move their shadow off of his ball. So it was just kind of telling about the the way he was uh, approaching that last hole from a you know a mentality standpoint. He was still very much himself uh, and extremely polite even under pressure. Yeah, um, my my final one would be just hanging with Stefan Shoffley. Mm. Xander's dad, Xander's swing coach, uh, the guy is an absolute vibe. I think he's become somewhat popular in social media circles for the vibe that he gives off visually. You see him on TV, 
guy dresses differently, acts differently, kind of just has his, his hand up to his chin at all times, kind of analyzing Xander's swing. Don't really get to hear from him, but we ran into him at Amen Corner. He didn't want to leave. The rain delay had demanded people get off the golf course. There's a thunderstorm coming through. There will be lightning. There will be hard downpouring rain. And he was just sat there, legs crossed. He was the last person to get up from Amen Corner. And we walked in very slowly with him. He was giving these security guards super hard time. He seemed like a lot of fun. Him and Xander's team, uh, I want to hang out with them more in the future. Definitely.